Yeah, they're in. Yeah, we're aware of. He's actually so sister of a guy in the darker creature. Okay. There'll be foxtrot lessons from. Ricardo Montalban here after class nice. with the dance shoes. That's great. Is he know who Ricardo Montalban? We did. It's probably true. Yeah. That's because we're all under fifty. Rich Corinthian. We do. We do want to lift up. The plane. We do want to lift up. That's not. Well, that's Harry. Yeah, that was the midget, but yeah. he was standing. He was standing next to God. All right, so we want to lift up Shane now. Would you pray with me, gentlemen? Father God, we thank you for Shane that you protected him through his mishap with the bike. We pray for a quick and uh, effective healing for the scrapes that he's got. We thank you, Father, for your care for him, and pray uh, again, quick healing. Uh, amen. Okay. Uh, let's see, there was other announcements. This uh, not-as-good-looking-as-me brother is Fred, my younger brother. And, um, Considerably. <laughs> <laughs> he, has, uh, he has been married 22 years oh, this right. year. Right. More, than, uh, more than qualified to give Isaac some, uh, some words of wisdom. What else we got? You got my email? Years, I did. Good, good. Um, what? True. Were you BCC? That's good. <laughs> I always got it. You okay, Metal? Yes. Should we pray for you too? No. You sure? Yes. It's a tough road. We don't want extra I've seen, prayer here. I've, I've seen this road. I know oh, what it's like. Yeah. You're completely distracted. See All that. You're focused? You okay? Yeah. All right. Well, I love you. You know <laughs> Yes. Okay. Long moment. All right, so uh, picking up with a long and fiery tradition of uh, preparing our men to marry, um, we go around the room and give them some guidance, some helpful hints, and some wisdom. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, aside from Sean and Jerry and my brother, um, everybody's been here for those, right? You've never been here? No, sir. It's not that you can't give a lot of wisdom, but we certainly do want to defer to those that have seen this movie and got the t-shirt. Was this guy he's got the t-shirt. I didn't want to miss the really good class for Brad. Brad. You did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. 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 Exactly. So, but yeah. you're sucking it up now. I'm still so we're recording. We'll be good. Yeah, all those recordings are available, so... So we're good there. How many? 30, 32 years? Who, me? Yeah. The girl next to you. 34. 34 years. Wow. So 34, 30. 27. 27. 24. 24, 22. Six months. Six months is half. And two years. Okay. So uh, now Gregory holds, um, along with Joshua, but Gregory holds now probably the... The gentleman's seat, we'll call it, in that he got this on the receiving end and has now given it back. This will be the second time. So praise God for that. The one that you got? Like the line? It's your fault. It's your fault. Fix it. Hard to forget. That one is available online. (laughs) It's a class. Just start charging for that. (laughs) If it's it's in iTunes, it may be labeled explicit. (laughs) (laughs) Not for children's ears. 
Joshua, on the other <laughs> hand, um, is in uh, the second gentleman's seat as having received this once. And I believe you helped give on the first one, uh, even though you hadn't been married at that point. So now we're, we're looking for knowledgeable response. <laughs> so. Something about giving an answer before the question. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Wise men. All right. So normally I, I kick it off for about 20 minutes of some kind of soliloquy that bores everybody to tears. But um, I, I've, we, yeah, I've already, you've already seen this movie. We've got two of them online. And, uh, and Isaac and I have spent an inordinate amount of time um, talking prior to him getting to this point. So I do want to just share publicly that uh, I am thrilled that you're marrying my daughter. And uh, I'm looking forward to extraordinary and great things from you and my daughter because I firmly believe that you will be better used by God together than you would be alone. So with that, I'll ask one of the married men to step up with some uh, some wisdom like too much pointed at me <laughs> there this is better yeah well, three married men on the same couch that's good Manny Mo and Jack yeah. you're okay you're, you're at least at least yes, one hour by myself feet away from yes sir go ahead I'll kick things off just by mentioning how cool it was it was either when you had first gotten you started the courtship or when you started when you were engaged, but I remember you excitedly telling me all about reading 1 Corinthians 7 and Ephesians 5 and like all these cool verses about what a husband should be like and what a wife should be like. And I just wanted to remind you of that because that will be very, very helpful as you progress through your marriage. Always coming back to the Word is going to be immensely helpful. So that you were you were off to a great start and you weren't even married yet. So keep that up. That was great. Mm-hmm. And in sort of along the lines of Mr. Spurlock's new study about like I guess it's not what you say, it's what you do. Like looking at you know how something is walked out for to to really glean like what it really is. Man, I tell you, I attribute most of the success of my own marriage to how many examples of great marriages I have around me. And we just mentioned them all. I mean, 20 plus years all over the place. Wow, just watching, not even asking questions, but just seeing how people talk about their wives, what they do when they first see them, when they arrive at service, or just those little things. You can glean so much wisdom from that. And I certainly have, and I encourage you to do the same. And for the, for the single guys here, um, if, if you've seen a pattern of righteousness and, and great marital life in your parents, you know, in their stead, certainly give, uh, give that talk. Of course, you don't want to stomp on your dad. You want to, you know, probably let him go first and then, you know, give any dribbles up to him. Senor. Um, my dad, who has been married for, I think, 24 or 25 years, is not here tonight, but he did some of Three points to give to Isaac. Not thirty so, pages, but exactly. So I, I, this was a conversation via text message. So I'm glad he was able to, for his force to condense to speed his thoughts. <laughs> and, and also for Jeremiah, as, as he's listening, he says, "Please pass along the following three words of wisdom to Isaac and Jeremiah." And all he did is just give me three, th- three 
points here. First point, humility. The second point, he said, hallmark. And the third one, this is pretty profound, he said, shut up. And so I asked for a, Great I said, like, Dad, you really want me to make a drosh on these three? <laughs> it's like, please give me some more explanation. So he, he said to this first point, be humble at all times. And I know that there's so much more he would say, but, and knowing my dad, he would probably say, you never really know how selfish you are until you have to live with somebody else mm-hmm. and share everything. <clears throat> so be ready to, to uh, fight the flesh and to humble yourself. The second point, he says, uh, for Hallmark, he says, an annual budget of Hallmark cards is still cheaper than alimony. (laughs) (laughs) True CPA. (laughs) True CPA. I guess this point there is um, spoiling your wife and those little things is really what, at least in seeing seeing the marriage of of my mom and my dad is those are the things that just make my mom's day mm-hmm. and uh and it's n- you don't have to really be too creative you just have to be intentional and, and consistent there and the third point um shut up he says shut up stupid and just <laughs> let her talk <laughs> and i know that's very true and my dad's point here is he, he talks about this all the time is finding the love language of your wife and i know uh, my mom's is just time you know you got to spend time with my mom she absolutely loves it just to spend time with all their kids to talk about how their day went, their aspirations, whatever. So, um, and generally I think that's true for, for everyone. We all have a certain tolerance of how much of, uh, of, of, just w- of what we appreciate as just good quality time. And it always revolves around listening to the other person. So those are my three points for my dad, who is only here in spirit. Outstanding. Great. Let me go ahead and uh, tag on to Greg's comments that... Uh, Many of you gentlemen in the room may have this same tendency, but if I go shopping with my wife, at least in, in years past, I think I'm better at it now. Um, but I'd say, uh, sweetie, sweetie what, what are we looking for? I'm, I'm looking for, um, I'm looking for a, a dress. Well, what does it need to look like? Well, it needs to be green. I'm gone. Because now I'm in conquer mode. Green dress? I got it. Here's 14 green dresses. <laughs> Just pick which one you need, and we're done. <laughs> so it turns out that uh, conquer mode is not shopping. Second on that same uh, item is that I would come home and find that my wife would present to me with certain problems, either with the children or the home with the shopping budget, with the food budget, you know, some, there's some kind of problem. Uh, so I would immediately, to demonstrate my love for her, I would immediately provide her with three different fixes for the problem. And it, it only took, you know, 28, 29 years to realize that uh, she's not looking for a fix. She's just looking to talk with me. And she's looking for me to listen. And uh, you're marrying probably the quietest of my five children. But that's not because she doesn't have anything to say. It's because she will normally defer, allow everybody else to talk, and if you ask her a specific choice to make, she will want to know what everybody else's choice is so that she can choose one of theirs. 
she's great that way. Which means that you need to work all the, all the harder to get her to express her desires and herself. And uh, if you start putting your energy and talent into that early on, you will reap the benefits when you've been married as long as those men have. Guaranteed. I guess I'll go. <clears throat> Most of the things that have been said tonight yes. is, is a lot of the things that came up at the top of my mind when we talk about this. But one thing that I've done all my married life is um, I have never brought my work home. And what I mean by that is when I open the door, uh, so many of my, I know a lot of my friends and colleagues, the first thing to do is this is what happened at work. I can't believe this happened. This is what's going on. When I open the door, I don't want to miss any opportunity that I can spend that time with my wife when I walk in the door. So if I'm there first and she comes, most of the time since I'm off the side of the home, but when she comes home, it's my time with my wife and my work is done. And uh, it's not to say that I cannot talk to my wife about my job and what goes on, but it's not going to keep me from having that relationship with my wife. Mm -hmm. And so, <clears throat> so it's been that way all the time and even raising my kids. There, there are so many jobs that I wanted to have that I actually prayed that I could get that God said no. And as I look back on it, I understand why, because I was there for my children and or my wife and my children. And uh, that time that I was able to spend with them, with all, with all, four of them, I guess, was the, uh, it's been the best years in life. But anyway, my point, basically my point is, you know, doesn't matter how bad your day is, I would highly recommend do not bring your work home, uh, at least the initial, <laughs> the initial time that you walk in the door. So. That's good. That's good. I'll go. Um, Joe had mentioned it, and uh, maybe it wasn't presented powerfully enough. Women think differently. Mm -hmm. um, I am still, uh, I mean, we just try to fix problems. I mean, that's our job. So when my wife, you know, mentions that there's something troubling her, something bothering her, something happened, my first inclination is to try to fix it, make re recommendations, suggestions, um, you know, Go grab tools, even. Um, I won't say don't do it. I mean, obviously, she probably, hopefully, understands that that is your, you know, your first reaction is to try and fix something. But you have to learn to listen. You have to realize that she is a bright enough woman to understand what the solutions are. But it's more about talking about the problem and understanding that you understand the problem. So. And a lot of people ask me, you know, what's your secret, Fred, for being married so long? I think because they think I got married so young because I look young. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I was 27. <laughs> um, the secret of my marriage is to always make sure that whatever you do uh, is uh, what was, is going to make her happy. We, you know, there's sort of an unspoken rule in our relationship that whatever you do, it should make the other person happy. If my biggest priority is making sure that Stephanie is happy, and whether that's what we eat, um, where we go on vacation, um, how we spend our money, 
Um, if it, in the back of your mind, every time you make a decision is if this is what Stephanie would want me to do. And that could be good things too. I mean, spending things on things that I like. If it's going to make her happy, and uh, the reverse being that whatever she does is to make me happy, you can't go wrong. I mean, you can't, you know, if you're thinking about doing something that she's not going to be happy with, you shouldn't be doing it. It's a, um, this is a, a business relationship, it's a partnership. You know, there's a board of directors, you know. Everybody should be in on everything that you're doing. And, you know, a guy at the store mentioned today that the key to happiness and a, a happy marriage is separate bank accounts. You know, I'm, I'm a financial advisor. My first thing is, you know what? You all own everything. It, you all share everything. I mean, it, you know, even if, even if this is my money, it's really not. I mean, it's, it's a partnership, and you have to respect the other person, respect their needs and what they want, so... I would, I would just say always make sure that whatever you do is she would be pleased with that. And she, would, uh, she would respect you for making your decisions. So when you're wondering, oh, should I, should I stay a little bit longer? You know, how much trouble am I going to get in for this? You know what, just turn around. There's, there's so many other opportunities and so much more happiness. Um, you know, a week down the road or a month down the road or 20 years down the road where it's like, thank goodness. I didn't do that, or I didn't even think. And it's it's silly things. It's you know whether or not you know get home maybe be, you know before it gets dark and stuff. I mean simple things, not stupid things. Well, everybody's you know, spent too much money on that, or you know, it's it's getting home and spending time together and stuff. So always make sure what you do is what she wants you to do. My wife, when I was working outside the home, would make a concerted effort to get out of the apron you know, that Mrs. Cleaver wears in the, in the kitchen and um, fix up her makeup, fix her hair up a little bit, and prepare for my arrival. She, she always did. She would clean up the kids so they weren't all gooky, um, which I hate. And, uh, <laughs> and still. She would she would go out of her way to make sure that the kids had you know cleaned the place up and, and had taught them to prepare for my arrival. And it took years for me to realize that she was going through that and making my arrival pleasant. Her desire was that I would eventually desire to be home rather than not be home. And I think it's a God given desire, and I think it's it's a it's it's a great skill. Um, my marriage quotient went through the roof when I started to recognize when I came in the door that if I would just express even the smallest amount of appreciation for that, it meant the world. Mm-hmm. You know, just, wow, sweetie, you look great, and it is so good to be home. Thanks for taking care of it, taking, watching the kids, you know, that kind of thing. Um, makes a big difference. I echo that. Um, I know that, like, with my wife, it's oftentimes the small things. Um, if you notice the floor is freshly vacuumed, clothes have been washed and put away, you know, I mean, that's, that's her work. And in a sense, in a way, it's like I'm sort of her boss and that's her job. And we all want our, you know, employers to, or 
people above us to compliment us, to reinforce us positively for our work. So um, it, sometimes it's hard. I, my first few months of marriage, I didn't notice a lot of those things because I had gotten used to doing it myself or, you know, things just sort of magically happened in my home because my mom was very organized. So it's like I don't think about it. And um, I've learned that it's, it's definitely a lot better to point out those small things. Um, you know, I oftentimes, if I, if Juliana packs me a really good lunch, after I get done eating, I'll text her to let her know how great it was. You know, little things like that. And it means a lot to her. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've got three. Um, but did you alliterate? You know, Omar. I like the way Mr. Alpin did it, so I'll, I'll do it similar. Mine is burn the ships. <laughs> That's good. Cast a vision. Oh, yeah. And date night. I can totally get this message. So closer to you. So <laughs> the burn the ships I learned from my great friend and mentor, Rick Spurlock. Uh, when I was first married, I was probably married about as long as, as you are now. When I first met Rick and sat under his uh, studies about commitment, covenant, marriage. And so my whole foundation, which, which now you have with Mr. Spurlock and his other thing, is commitment. And, it's kind of like cliche and passe, but um, at some point it will be tested. Hmm. You know, no matter how you know wonderful and handsome and humble and all these things that you are, <laughs> and beautiful and you know wonderful, uh, Christina is. Uh, Christina, is, it will be tested, and and uh, it won't be romance that's tested. It won't be anything <laughs> else except for commitment. At, at the end of the day, when it's tested, the only thing that will be there is commitment, and uh, that's a. That's a core of three strands, as you know, you, know, you your wife, and God himself. So, um, like, as the years have gone by, I've, I've kind of understood uh, arranged marriages a little bit more. Because that's the concept, is commitment first, and if you have solid commitment from each other, your family, you know, God's blessing, I think romance grows out of that. Amen. And it's that romance and that passion is so strong and, and so powerful that I see it in all these men. They, they like me, love their wives today, and, and their wives are more beautiful today after 20 plus than the day they married. Every second of and, and I think it's based on the original thing, the burn of the ships, commitment, and that, that romance, and that thing. It just grows. It grows and grows and grows. I, I'm about to celebrate my uh, 24th uh, next week, actually, May 5th. Woo. And, yeah. And, I'm, I mean, I'm like, like, you're probably slightly more excited than I am. How much? I'm right there with you, right? <laughs> so, but, but I do believe, though, it was thanks to, and, and I didn't get it until I met Rick. I was already married. And, and when I met Rick, he taught me how that's how God works, and that's how, you know, we should work, and Believe me, it was tested, and, and that was that worked. Like Rick's, Rick's advice, and you know, well, Rick was God's agent to tell me what God's advice was, but that has been uh, unbelievable. Okay, that's number one. Number two is cast a vision. So I believe that the husband, the dad, is a leader, 
and, and like uh, Fred said, it's a partnership. And in any partnership, you gotta have a boss. You gotta have not a boss in terms of like, you have somebody who's a leader, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that um, you have to cast a vision, you know, and, and, and instill a sense of adventure on, hey, you know, and that can start with, you know, the, um, the things of God, but extend to every facet of, of what we do. I think our wives look at us to cast that vision, vision and then they partner with us, as Fred said, to carry out the vision. Amen. And so um, a lot of times, uh, and this is a special operations tactic, it's, it's diversion, which is the problem is brought. And I totally agree with what Joseph said. Instead of trying to solve the problem, hey, look, look over there. <laughs> You know, and you cast a vision to another direction, and pretty soon now we're all going that direction, and we're kind of not sure what the problem was back over here. So it's 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 good to cast a vision and keep the yeah, everybody going that way instead of focusing on the problem. Okay, um, used that was casting. Vision. <laughs> What's that? It said it's been used it's on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then the final thing is date night, and date night isn't a thing; it's a metaphor, and the metaphor is. Um, that mom comes first. So when you start having kids, yeah, don't mess with date night. Don't mess with couch time. That's me and mom's time. Hey, you know, we were here before you guys. And, that's, uh, <laughs> and you wouldn't be here without us. <laughs> so, you know, mom comes first. Sorry. Sometimes date night. Sorry, we're having couch time. Um, if I may, yeah. um, my father of blessed memory raised his children and ran his family such that the children were number one and my mother was number two. And I purposed, I mean my dad was a great dad. I don't know what kind of husband he was. Based on my mom's comments, he was a great husband. But I purposed in my heart that when I got married, my wife would be number one and my kids would never be better than second. And they've heard that all their lives. So they've seen modeled a commitment there that is uncompromised and unchallenged. And my wife knows it. And that security that she's gained from that over the years, to your point, has been defended. I agree. I think nothing um, makes a child more secure than to know that mom loves dad. And dad loves mom. You know, believe it or not, there are uh, studies that show that if, if you get a, a son who's wet in the bed, when he ought to be past wetting the bed, sit on the couch with your bride and let the boy see, I think it would be a girl too, same thing, let them see mom and dad cuddling on the couch, arm around the wife, the whole thing, and it fixes itself. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. It makes you wonder what's going on inside those little heads. Right, that, that's very interesting. <laughs> If I can also comment on your casting a vision, I think that's more powerful than your letting on. Um, because truly, if we are all, I mean, the name of this class is the Tzadik class. This is the righteous man, and I'm you know, expecting that you guys are the ones that will lead. You're the ones that, when, when somebody needs to pray, you should be the one saying, let me pray. You're the ones that should be leading. And if that's the case, then you need to be able to articulate a vision. But in our families, it's absolutely critical 
And if, if the wife is looking to be a helpmeet and to support her husband in ministry and life and so forth, she's got to know where, she, where he's going. There's no way that she can support his venture, his mission as a family unless she knows full well what that mission is. And you know, we've been in the military. You're not starting out on that mission until everybody can articulate exactly what the goals of that mission are. It's as simple as that. My wife knew before we got married that I was planning on having a lot of children. She came along anyway, which was cool. Yeah, there's two sides of that coin of cast a vision, which is, you know, the, the five P's. Do, do you know what the five P's are? You ever heard that before? I, I like your answer, man. Uh, it's <laughs> prior planning prevents poor performance. So when you mm -hmm. cast that vision, I heard it just a little There's more risque. <laughs> yeah. I heard it the six piece. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but the other side of that coin is... Extraordinarily poor. <laughs> no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy. Right. So it's two sides of the same coin, which is cast a vision, but there's flexibility around that. Yeah. Yeah. You have a partner, you have a... a and so it's really together... You know, your job is to help cast that vision and then you know, your wife's right there with you to, to support that vision. And then now I'm also flexible, which I haven't always been, but the point is yeah, I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be flexible to that first contact with um, not your wife being the enemy, but the enemy of the world just hitting you and, okay, we plan on doing this, but that didn't work out, so we're going to move this way. Um, but still, as long as you're moving forward and, and cast that vision, um, I think the wife's happy. I think the baby's happy. Amen. Yeah. Um, kind of a great philosopher, Michael Tyson, once said, <laughs> <laughs> you get hit in the face, the game plan goes out the window. I wish you'd done that in Mike Tyson's voice. That would have been great. I, if I could, just because mine was about looking to examples this just occurred when you were mentioning cast vision. The first thought that happened was of Morgan and I were just talking the other day and uh, at, at breakfast, and here is a perfect example of this. She described to me the exact conversation that you had with Morgan and Juliana, and maybe even Christine was there, walking on the beach one summer. The summer before they met me, and the summer before you started the Zadi class. And that was the conversation was you all excited about this vision of having all these men, young men, in a room and being able to impart all this wisdom to them and raise up men and sharpen iron and I just, we're all sitting here and your vision has come to pass. I mean, Baruch Hashem, but the girls don't forget that and they see that as such a cool thing, as a, as a fulfilled promise and that was definitely something that I'd like to live up to for sure. One thing that I've learned as well when it comes to leadership um, is how important some of the small things are. For the past several years, I did not own a watch. because Not because I was horribly bad with time, but just because I didn't really need it. I, I just generally... <laughs> my dad's nodding here. <laughs> I married a woman who's extremely disciplined which was God's both sense of humor and his way of teaching me. Um, because very quickly it became obvious that Juliana 
knew the time all the time, <laughs> and I almost never did. This was not healthy, because as a result, what ends up happening is she's the one who's getting up, telling me it's time to leave. She's the one who's trying to make a comment to me across the room that I need to say something because we need to shift gears at the party, whatever. So I made a purpose. I went out. I bought a watch. I made a point of checking my watch routinely to try and stay on top of time. And, um, and Juliana has you know, made an extra effort to defer and try to let me take the lead there. Now I'm the one who's keeping track of time when she loses track of it. I mean, cool is that? and that's, it's a small thing. And there's lots of small things. I mean, the other day we were going somewhere. I didn't know exactly where we were going. I'd never been there before. Um, Juliana had been, but she sent me the address and let me take the lead. We were in separate cars for the because we had come to the same That's place. in the chromosomes. That's not your fault. <laughs> no, but I'm saying. Well, actually, no. But point being is that leadership, I think, finds expression and reinforcement in the small things. Yes. So I don't think you'll have any trouble at all being the leader in terms of making decisions. Um, that's just your personality. You're a good leader. Leader foundation. But it means I think the the hard challenge sometimes as a guy is to take the stand on the small little details that help make your wife feel that not only can you cast a good vision and make decisions, but you're, you you know what's going on. You keep track of what's happening, and she never has to feel like she's got to pull you or lead you in even even in those small details. Well, you, you also raise the, uh, the value of having a teachable spirit. If we walk into the marriage thinking that we've got our act together and we're super guys, you know, Hey, you know what? You just married reality. <laughs> she's going to see you in your boxer shorts, and she's going to realize, you know, he dresses up good. He dresses up, cleans up well. But she's going to know, as you already know, and as you already know, she's going to know everything sour there is to know about you, better than anybody on the planet, including your parents, including you, including me. <laughs> yeah, including yourself. You're 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 going to see things and be told things that God bless him. They love you enough to tell you. But but to your point, it's what makes you better. Mm-hmm. It's what makes you a better man because you've been given a great woman to help do it. And it's important to embrace that. I think um, that's a challenge as a man, especially if... And sometimes it's not even something your wife will point out. Sometimes it's just something that you'll be working through and you'll have a... Um, you'll realize all of a sudden... Oh my, I, I didn't even see that about myself. And sometimes it's like you, you have a real gusto and desire to change it because you know it's a problem, you fix it. And sometimes it's a real stinger and you kind of feel resistant and you don't like the idea of being, you know, feeling like you've done something wrong and you got to do it differently. It's like it worked before, why does it work now? You know, whatever. And I think that um, it's really important to realize that God has you in the marriage um, to make each other better. And that means that you have to almost get excited about those moments of reality when all of a sudden you realize I've been doing this wrong my whole life and wow, I'm a bigger idiot than I thought I was. And Because at the end of the day, those moments are to help you become an even better man um, just in the same way that God's using you to make her a better woman. I mean, there are things about her that she never knew. There are things that she did that she never saw. So God's using the two of you together um, to do that and you know I'm, I'm, one of the great things about having a wife who uh, respects me very much is you know she's always very careful and you know if she has to say something she says it nicely and whatever else but um, 
it's important to be open, whether it's coming from her or whether it's just something like, you know, all of a sudden we had this little conflict or maybe I did something stupid and now I actually have somebody else who's counting on me and it, it ruined it for both of us. And it's like, well, now I have to do something different. I was going to mention it is, it is, I mean, obviously the big things, but it is a lot of the little things too. Um, my wife has threatened never to do my laundry again for leaving business cards in my, my shirt pocket. <laughs> to the point where now when she buys me my shirts, she doesn't buy shirts that have pockets. You get up down at the end of the day and you're trying to bring your work home with you and you pull off your, your, your clothes and you throw it in the laundry basket or wherever it is and you know you got to take the, the few extra steps to make sure it's sans any paper. <laughs> in any pocket, so. But it is those literally those little things. It's it's leaving stuff out and not putting things away, and it's you know not turning your socks the right way, and the, you know it's it is the little things, and it, it it just shows respect, I think, for you know their efforts. I mean, my wife works like a dog to keep our house clean and, and the laundry and everything, and, and I think it it just shows respect, making sure that you're doing your part of whatever it happens to be, you know. Obviously, you know, we, we have all of our responsibilities that we take care of too, but it's it's supporting them in what they do and uh, making sure that you, you know, thank them for it, but also make sure that, you know, you're not getting lazy or being lazy in what it is. So laundry's a big thing. I appreciate it. I just wanted to say something because. Are you, is he allowed to talk? I'm not going to think so. Thank you. Because the reiteration here is that. It's your job to make sure your wife is taken care of. And it's your job to make sure your wife is happy. And to not ask her until she, you're really sure that she's happy. <laughs> <laughs> but what we're told in the world is that you're the guy. You should go to do whatever you want. And when the wife's not happy, well, that's just her fault. And the counsel I get here that has completely changed my mindset is that not only does it matter what your wife feels and what, what she thinks, but what she feels and thinks matters more than anything compared to anyone around you. Whether your your boss is hounding you because you're not staying late enough, it is your job to let him know or her know that you have a responsibility to somebody. And I, I appreciate the reiteration that it's your wife you need to be worrying about, even when you have children. Um, let me, uh, let's just do a quick statistics thing. The, uh, the sad commentary on our country right now, the sad commentary on our faith right now, <clears throat> is that the four guys here who have been, five guys here who have been married longer than 20 years are in such a small minority in our country, and it is growing smaller by the day. It hasn't gotten better. It gets smaller every day, which should help you to recognize and reinforce the fact that any marriage advice you get outside of a context like this is almost, almost assuredly Worthless and bad. <laughs> they they don't have the authority 
They haven't demonstrated proficiency to be able to give counsel. And that's usually just not marriage either. That's pretty much everything. <laughs> that's true. It's like getting financial And at the top of that, that one, yes, there you go. That's true. Because it's exactly the same. The church has the, the same divorce rate. Same statistics. That's exactly right. It is true. Well, um, I, I got one that's, you know, may, may appear comical, but I am convinced it is extraordinarily important. I don't care if you put on a sock and a sock and a shoe and a shoe or a sock and a shoe and a sock and a shoe. It doesn't matter. Because for every man, Pretty cool one. Yeah. For every man, you should expect to avoid, actively avoid, I expect you to actively avoid the male cliches that are out there. Oh, well, men, fill in the blank. I don't care what it is that the world thinks about men. We should be always just the opposite. And I've got one pet peeve. I can't stand when I come out of a bathroom someplace and a woman across the room says to me, did you put the seat down? I hate that. I look at them and say, of course I put the seat down. I noticed you didn't put the cover down, but I put it down for you. <laughs> Always put the seat down. Always. Your wife cannot use the toilet with the seat up. Ever. She cannot do it. Always put the seat down so it's ready for her. Now, in our house, I expect that the men are going to put the seat down. And I expect all the women are going to put the cover down. Yeah. So the men should be putting the cover down too. So if you haven't hurt your leg and you have to stumble into the bathroom because you just cut your arm off with the lawnmower, you can plop down onto the toilet because it's a chair now, not a toilet. So... In, in, I mean, everybody's talking about the little thing. That's a little thing that I think is so easy. But just like the book of James says, that if we can bridle our tongue, we can control the entire man. If you can control yourself enough to remember to put down the seat and the cover every time you use the toilet, you are demonstrating, even in the most mundane, filthy-type tasks, you are remembering your bride. You got her from top to bottom, inside out, every bit of your life, you're remembering her. Because quite frankly, he only gives us three examples of God's love for his bride, for his church, for his ecclesia, for his people. Only three. Shepherd and the sheep, father and son, husband and wife. You are the picture of Messiah and his bride. You are the picture of God and his people. Not only to your children, but to everybody you meet. If the scripture tells us that he cares and knows about the bird falling from the tree, what the bird's going to eat, sparrows and stuff like that, surely we can demonstrate that same love, care, and concern for our life. Sock and sock and shoe and shoe. I already, I already shared stuff. Come on, give him something. Well, I mean, for the folks in Gastonia, 
for the folks in this room? Yeah. (laughs) For the sake of your own goodness, oh Lord. Um, Well, as we discussed before, a really important thing is that, that just to recognize that when you and Christine marry, you God is creating something completely new. Mm-hmm. You know, and he creates something new when we ha- when we have children, obviously. But you need to know that even before children come, he's created something new. It's not the Squitrini home, it's not the Alexander home, it's the Isaac and Christine Alexander home. And that is a it is a it is far more profound than maybe we recognize uh, that it's it, I mean, it's a really good thing, but at the same time, it's somewhat difficult because sometimes we don't know, and it's going to feel different immediately. You know? And as I as I always have told my children, when 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 it's nighttime, when they were little, when it's nighttime and it's scary, just remember that there's a morning coming, and uh, just have to make it through the night. So you know, when things just feel a little weird, it's okay. You know, everybody goes to that little weird stuff, and it'll work out. Just don't say anything you'll regret. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> or anything you don't want read back to you later. <laughs> there's a difference between being self-sacrificing and being submissive or subservient. And it's not your job to be subservient. Your wife should be able to tell the difference. She should be able to know that you will always give anything for her, but at the same time that you'll provide leadership as well, mm-hmm. that she can count on you. Uh, women that can't count on their husbands, it's like the curse of evil. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna have a desire for the the leadership of their home, and uh, <coughs> it's natural and it's understandable. And where that void is, if you don't provide the leadership, your wife will take it. So being, you know, being self-sacrificing and, and thinking that all the time shouldn't ever be you should never think of it as being subservient or submissive I know it says submit to one another it's not talking to husband and wife Um, in view of the fact that you are creating a new entity there's a tendency that some think that we have to break ties with entities that we had before it's not either or it's both your mother is a wonderful lady. Your father is a good man. They should still be your parents. You need to treat them with the same respect that you do now. Amen. And it means not that the relationship uh, replaces or anything like that, but it is a it's, it, it may be a slightly different relationship, but you need to maintain that relationship. Christine needs to know that the way that you treat your mother is the way that She'll always be treated. There's a Jewish proverb that says when you get married, you divorce your mother, and you marry your wife. That's not biblical. Um, so be, be cognizant of that. And permit Christine to have that same relationship with her father and her mother. Um, hopefully you'll be, both of you, be better for it. If you, you know, marriage is not a <clears throat> goal, you know, it seems like maybe Thursday, fine, I get across the line, you know, 
It seems like it. You know, That's and, the story. Or maybe get to the honeymoon. It's like that'd be great. Then we'll go on through our life. You know, it, it, marriage is not is not that way. It's not punctilious. It's it's like it's 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 such a journey. You you are not marrying the same woman that you'll be married to fifty years from now. That's true. And you won't be the same man, hopefully. And you need need to realize it's not your job to make her the woman she's supposed to be. Neither is it her job to make you the man. That's the way that it works. It's mutual. But your job's only to improve yourself. So if you see something lacking in your marriage, then the answer is you need to step up and do more. It doesn't mean all the responsibilities on you, but I promise it's because it's mutual. It's a weird thing because it's mutual. Once you once you once you invest in that kind of activity, your your <coughs> wife will do the same without you even saying without you even saying anything. You know, and that's why you know the advice to the wife is actually not bad advice to the husband as well. Where it says in in uh, in First Peter that without a word she's able to uh, convince her husband, or without a word she's able to influence him in a positive way. That's actually really good advice for both, especially for her because the tendency is men basically if they're not happy they don't say anything. Women generally if they're not happy they do. Um, but both need to recognize if you want improvement in your marriage then the goal is that you need to improve yourself. Think about the things that. You know, bother her, and then work on those. And uh, that's it. If you don't mind, if you don't mind putting me on the spot, there was one thing you did mention. I think a lot of the men would like to hear the expectations. Expectations. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, I learned this from my wife. I have a very dark history, and my wife redeemed me. She saved me, and and it's. So I, so I owe her a lot. So it's maybe a little bit easier for me than most men to love my wife and to recognize that you know the, the incredible value that she that she gives to me. Um, but that's what she taught me. What she taught me was what she had to learn was not to expect anything in return. And, and I think it's good advice for either spouse. You'd be very careful when you. When you live the self-sacrificing life, not to think that you're somehow gaining points, or that you're that you're incurring a debt, or she's incurring a debt that she owes you, and don't expect them to respond in the way that you think they should respond. Um, it's it's good. Date night is really important because it's a matter of you know the date night concepts are good at, because it because it, it it reinforces the idea that she is the queen of her home. Um, but sometimes men have expectations that, well, look, if I if I if I treat her in a in a in a you know romantic way, she needs to respond in a romantic way, and it doesn't always work out that way. You need to be willing to accept nothing in making her queen that you will not be the king. <laughs> Was that what you were referring to? That's exactly what I'm referring to. Yeah, you were talking about expectations. There's always like four things that I can think of that you always want to. The expectation for even each other. The first one is to provide. You have to expect the other person's going to provide. That there can't be that doubt that they're going to fall short or 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 not do what they should be doing, whether it's work or around the house or whatever it happens to be. Um, Support, supporting each other in whatever they decide 
they want to do and, and what their endeavors are and, and let them know that how important it is to both of you. Um, forgive. You're going to screw some things up royally. <laughs> both of you will. I mean, just, it's just natural. But the idea is to forgive and forget. Never let it hang over or never bring it up again. Um, support, sacrifice, um, share, to share everything. Don't, it isn't, you know, it's, uh, there are times when you're going to be doing your own thing or there's going to be something going on that they're just not part of. You have to share it. You have to know what's going on in the other person's lives, what's important to them, you know, how they spend their time. Because what will happen is you suddenly, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what they're thinking about anymore. You know, the, the next thing you know, you're, 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 you're going to bed at night and you don't even know how their day was. And you have to continually share, you know. How was your day? You know, what, what what went right, what went wrong? I mean, I do that even with employees, you know. What if, what went well, what could you have done better? It's just a way of growing and, and keeping connected. So I see that in a lot of, you know, friends where they just, honestly, their spouses have absolutely no idea who they are anymore. You know, they just, I won't say they drifted apart, they just, you know, not following anymore. And that's, it's a shame. It really is, so. Joe? I'd like to make one more comment. Mr. Albert's not here, but one, one of the things he said was your love language. And I, I don't know if, you know, Gary Chapman's got a book out there, mm -hmm. a very small one, easy to read, and that's important to me because I hate to read. Um, <clears throat> and it's got big word, big letters, too. So it's really good. <laughs> anyway, he's got five love languages in there, and I would highly recommend reading it because um, uh, things change a lot in our relationship when I found out what my wife's love language is. Uh, I've got a little bit different spouse because mine's not the stay-at-home mom, the cleaner of the house, the all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's she's a corporate woman, and uh, so it's a little bit different in our relationship. And so, uh, when I found out what her love language was, which is touch, now that's the last thing that I like to do, and that's how I was brought up in my household. We didn't hug, we didn't kiss, we didn't touch, we didn't do anything. Okay. I mean, well, I shouldn't say that, but anyway, uh, but so it's very, very difficult for me to sit next to my wife, hold her hand, put my arm around her when we're in that mall, on vacation, all that kind of, it's very difficult for me, but until I learned that that's what makes her happy, that's her love language, that's what she wants, she doesn't, she doesn't care if her car's washed, she doesn't care if the floors are swept, she doesn't care if, if I'm dressed anyway. She just wants to be touched. And uh, Chapman lays that all out in that book. And he does a very good job with it. Um, and uh, I would highly recommend it. And then, so, and, and a lot of times people have two different love languages. One they give and one they receive. And uh, sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're different. But I'm glad he brought that up because that's... That is a that is a, a tremendous life lesson to know what your spouse's love language is, and if you can if you can uh, capture that and then and really hone in on what that love language is, great. I, I want to you know did a uh, awesome book. Um, it was curious to me that the biggest thing I got out of the book, aside from learning my wife's, 
was the realization that it wasn't the same as mine. Right. And I just kind of assumed if God put us together, it means we're you know compatible, and and therefore what what pleases me pleases her, and the way I show that I care is the way she wants to be shown that she. It doesn't work like that. Uh, in fact, I don't think I've ever met a couple that have the same love <laughs> language ever, not even once. Huh. It's amazing, you know. So you, to know that kind of deal is uh, pretty cool. Opposites attract. Yeah, I guess we're drawn to people who are different. No, oh, are you the same? Yeah, pretty much. Give it time. Anybody more? Good. Um, along those lines, keep in mind that while the love language concept is really helpful for framework, um, be really observant and ask questions to learn the details. Because um, one of the things I picked up with Juliana is um, that she has some of the love language like categories that fit in very neat little boxes, but there are some things that mean exceptionally more to her than they would to the normal person that I didn't realize fit in any of those boxes. I mean, they do somehow, but like, so you pick it up on things. I realized very quickly that my wife loves surprises. You know, not every woman does. Some women hate being surprised. Um, you know, uh, there are some. Um, my wife loves food, and she also sh gives love by cooking. So when I show appreciation for that, I am reciprocating to that. If I'm in a bad mood and I'm not paying attention to what I'm eating, and after it's done, it's kind of like, eh, it was okay. That's devastating. It's like, unless it really was awful, I never wanted to make it again, then I need to make sure that my response is appropriate. You know, things like that. It's stuff knowing that, um, you know, the little details, like I said, and ask questions. Questions are so helpful. Like, maybe you find out that your wife's um, love language is like touch, but what kind of touch? Is it a really like snug hug? Is it holding hands? I mean, there's a lot of different ways that those things get expressed. So. Um, the good news is you have a whole lifetime to figure that out. Um, the bad news is that uh, you rather, shouldn't waste the whole life. You shouldn't waste the whole life. So, so as quickly as possible, be making mental notes. You know, when something worked, remember, okay, she she liked that. When something was like, eh, whatever, it, okay, okay, that that wasn't as meaningful. And like I said, don't be afraid to ask her. You know, um, when you're when you're you know. I know that you really enjoy this topic. What's what, what what's the best part of that for you? What what makes what makes you happy with that? Gary's having what? Five love languages. Five love languages. Five. You can you can borrow it. I have it on my shelf. What? I've got a copy too. If you want. No, 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 it's not yours. It's a set. It's good. I get one here, one here, one here. With all with all the advice. That's why I hesitate to give you advice. You're a smart guy, and you you you're a wise man already. <laughs> Um, all the serious advice, Eric is far better than you can imagine. So, so it's like, you know, it's like this is, you know, we're just, we're kind of throwing stuff out there, but you know, you're about to find out how very cool it really mm -hmm. is. Why it's so much better when a man finds a way. Yes. Oh I've seen Grandma and Grandpa. Yeah. That's right. It's exactly right. Well, I'm not married, nor am I even where you are. I'm like two steps behind you. You're one step now. You've got yeah. one, one year in counting. But I can share, you know, I've, I've been in the trenches. I can share the evidence of my eyes. I've seen my parents. They've modeled a phenomenal marriage. Um, so I guess what I would say is, is a couple things. Um, as 
far as I know, I've been alive for 20 years and my mom has never had to work, ever. And my family's been through some rough stuff. We've moved God knows how many, how many times. Um, my dad switched jobs multiple times. He has seven kids. <laughs> but never yeah, once. Yeah, he has commitment issues. <laughs> <laughs> but never once has my mom had to work. And I, I, the, the message there isn't so much that women shouldn't work, but it's more that you're the provider. You're the man responsible with the, you know, making sure your children are fed and your wife has, you know, the means to take care of her home. So that's a big lesson that I learned just from observing my father. And um, coupled with that also, when we went through those hard, hard times, I was younger at the time when I was going through it, it didn't seem bad because he was so optimistic. He was like, this is not a problem. Done this before when he hadn't. <laughs> sounds, sounds just like it. <laughs> you know, we're gonna get through this. And then at the time, I was like, I don't know, I don't know how old I was, but at the time I was like, oh yeah, it's no big deal. But looking back and I realized how big of a deal it was because now, I, you know, I'm, I'm living on my own, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing how scary life is when you're the guy who's, hey, I can't, you're the, everybody's pointing at you, you're the guy, <laughs> right. right? So, you know, I, that's another big lesson I learned from my dad, which is, you know, always look on the bright side. It's always better. And it'll get you through a lot of stuff. Christine's teaching me that. I was a pessimist when I met her. I She's was too. Trust me. God, God is so wise. I'm a pessimist too. My wife is a perennial optimist. Perennial? No, sorry, you tend to pause. I tend to pause. Perennials only. Uh, perennial is spring. Once a year. <laughs> yeah. Once a year. Every Eternal year. optimist, excuse me. Yeah. So, last thing, um, this is something I learned with Jenny. Um, a lot of men here said it. You can't, there's nothing more valuable than sitting down and just talking. There's nothing more valuable. Um, I see Jenny once a month and we've done that for a year and what's gotten us through that is talking to her every day at least for an hour if not longer um, nothing beats it you can't get you can't so there's no substitute for just talking to her you know and I find a lot of times when you spend a lot of time with somebody and I'm not even married yet so I imagine this is quadrupled but it's easy to get irritated with somebody when you spend so much time with them you think they're supposed to know you Wait, don't you know this about me? Like, why are you? I don't understand. Why don't you know this about me? And I've been blessed a lot of times when I'm having that moment. And I step back and I say, okay, <laughs> just be patient. Let's just, you know, let's just keep going. And it goes back to what my dad was saying about commitment. You know, at the end of the day, that's really what matters is your commitment. You, know, you love her, but in the hard times, the commitment. And what gets you through that is spending the time and talking. That's what's worked for me. Good counsel from a single man. Impressive. You make a good husband. Do you have some? Yeah, I was just going to second what Fred said about forgiveness being a word between husband and wife, and, and you eventually will teach the kids that hey, tell your sister you're sorry. <laughs> then, hey, tell, tell her that you, yeah. you forgive them. But they need to see it in us, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, that foundation is built now when there is no kids. Forgiveness has to be worked because just as Fred said, you're going to mess up, and she's going to mess up, and so you're going to have to forgive her. She's going to have to, and she's going to forgive you. And the other thing I would say is, I've read the same book. It's a good book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good. I'll close up with just a couple points if I could. First, um, we didn't do this all the time, but um, I 
think you all have experience that I can raise my voice pretty well. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll for sure. Uh, so if my wife and I have an argument, um, I'm not 100% on this, um, but I hope that uh, Peter and my daughters can say honestly that if we've argued, we've taken it into the bedroom, you know, aside, you know, I won't argue with her in, in front of them. You know, and and in, the, in the times where I've, I've mistakenly done that, um, I have come back and publicly, in front of the family, said, I spoke to your mother in a, in a way I shouldn't have in front of you. Uh, secondly, if we argue, you can normally hear me. I don't know if you can hear my wife, but I know you can hear me. And uh, I've tried to make it a point whenever that's happened, and it is pretty rare, um, to come out and share with the kids what we're arguing about. What the, you know, it's okay. And we're not getting a divorce or anything like that. This is what we were arguing about. This was my point. This was your mother's point. And Chocolate. Your mother I was vanilla. right. Your mother was right. Whatever it is. So all that, just to, to say that some of the men here may disagree, but I believe that as we've tried to express, it's not all peaches and cream all the time. But to Rick's point, there's nothing better on the planet, mm -hmm. and it's worth fighting for. Mm -hmm. And I have made the point for the past 30 years, if my wife and I get in an argument, if we get in a disagreement, which, quite frankly, is normally because I'm an idiot, because it's my fault, we're not going to go to sleep. It doesn't matter how tired we are. In this house, we're not going to sleep until we got a result. If that means we're sitting up on that bed until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, we're going to work it out. 100%. 100% because we are not going to ignore it. Not even once. 30 years. Not even once. So i close with this. Just an example from my own life. I'm not trying to lift myself up. I certainly don't have my act all together. And I wonder if anybody in here, I mean, you can see that I'm putting a lot of time into our garden. A lot of time. An inordinate amount of time. A muscle building time. <laughs> I wonder if anybody in this room knows why I'm in that garden. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Can I tell you this right? Well, I think you can do it. Your daughter shared. Ah, okay. Well, for those who don't know, I was going to do the advice and just tell a story, but he's going to do better. So. Ah. Um, I, I do not appreciate gardening. I don't like to get dirty. I eat pizza with a fork and knife. Going out there and doing that is not my thing. I am out there gardening because my wife loves it. And we have nothing in common. Aside from our home and our children, our faith, we, have, we don't do anything together. We played racquetball together when we first got married. That's it. As my children are beginning to leave, I'm investing time in that woman. And there's, it's, it's been the greatest time I've, I've had in our whole marriage. 
because we are doing it together. We're planning things together. We're working out there together. We're sweating together. We come back in and we have a satisfied, we did this together thing. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm doing it because I'm investing in my marriage. Because it never gets to the point where you can just say, I got a great marriage. I don't have to do anything about it anymore. <laughs> I'm at the 30 year mark and I'm investing for the next 20 years. Comments, anything? I'm good, thank you. Fair enough. How you, and you're standing up, that's good too. Yes, One, just comment. I, I had a, a woman in our community, we were talking and she mentioned you know, as if I wasn't already scared enough of her father, as if, um, you know, um, you know, I wasn't, John was probably going to booby trap me or something in my house one night. <laughs> Brings Israeli, you know, officers to her. To her. <laughs> as if that was enough. She looked at me and said, if a marriage fails in this community, you've got no excuses. <laughs> wow. Words of wisdom there, buddy. Oh, yeah. Wow, that was a really high note. <laughs> <laughs> if so something upsets your wife, it is not her problem, it is yours. Don't, you know, uh, I know that, you know, they will have their opinions and feelings about things. They're not wrong, they're theirs. You have to accept them, respect them, and move on. Well, gentlemen, one quick high note to end on. Yes. Oh, hi. I just want to say, um, I've only been married six months, but one of the, I was just talking to Uncle Fred here, one of the coolest things about being married is the fact that it keeps getting better. Mm -hmm. um, you have ups and you have downs, and things are wonderful, and things are sometimes challenging, and but the trajectory is up. And that, to me, and even just this morning, I'm driving to work, and I am thinking about how I'm learning new things about my wife. We've been married for six months, living in a small little apartment, and I didn't, be, and I never knew, you know, how deep this element of her personality was. And it's like, it's so funny because the world, I think, always looks at marriage as being boring, as though it's like same, same. You know, you're locked in and you're stuck, and that's the absolute opposite. The reality is, you have a chance to become. Um, deeper with someone than you can in any other circumstance. You could be comfortable, but at the same time, it's, dyna it's dynamic. She's not going to stay the same. You won't stay the same, but that's going to be a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I just, I am blown away with God's goodness in marriage. It is by far and away the best thing that's ever happened to me. Amen. I was married 28 years before I knew that my wife likes when I haven't shaved for a day. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, let's, let's, uh, let's close in prayer and then I wonder if you'll just spend uh, a few minutes and share a, a, nice, uh, a nice bottle of wine with, uh, with Isaac as we uh, close out on a really good note you've given him some great counsel as his father-in-law I appreciate all of your investment in his marriage as I know my daughter does. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these men. We thank you for Isaac. We thank you for Christine. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to encourage this man. 
and to, as Rick said, watch you create a new entity that will have its own bearing, its own thoughts, its own way. We marvel, Father, to see an example of your goodness instant and amongst us and pray that every day, in every way, they will endeavor to lift up and glorify our Master Yeshua and be an excellent example to the rest of the community, to their children, and to the world. We pray these things, B'Shem Yeshua, HaMashiach, HaDonenu, in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah and our Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.